There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, your guide to the fundamentals of better deer hunting. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel for the stand, saddle, or blind. First Light. Go farther, stay longer. And now, your host, Tony Peterson. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt Foundation's podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. I'm your host, Tony Peterson. And today's episode is all about winter scouting and shed hunting and the power of asking yourself why. I guess, I don't know, this episode comes from two different places, really. The first is one of total self-defeat and low-key self-inflicted misery. The other is one of wonder with the type of people who keep you looking for answers and questioning what you think you know. I get that that's you know pretty vague, but trust me, it's going somewhere. In fact, I think if you're spinning your wheels whitetail-wise, or even if you think you really have a handle on things, you're going to get something out of this one if you want to become a better deer hunter. So listen up, because here it goes. I've talked about goals a few times recently on this podcast, just because I think they're important. I think that a lot of us just don't have the discipline to always, or mostly always, do the things we need to. That's where goals come into play, because they keep us accountable to ourselves and sometimes others. And that's a good thing. So good that I set some lofty goals for myself starting this year. In addition to kind of randomly setting a goal of running 800 miles for the year, and putting on some serious muscle, I decided I was going to do a no sugar thing for all of January. Well, to be blunt, I decided I was going to do a no extra sugar thing. Not a single M&M, 
Not a Reese's peanut butter cup. Bowl of ice cream? Forget it. Little Debbie's deliciousness? No, sir. It was going to be a month of working out like a fiend, every day actually, and not eating any junk food whatsoever. And I damn near did it, despite catching a serious case of the crud that ruined my will to live and my ability to easily breathe for like a full week. I only took off one day of working out, and I can tell you something. If you've never worked out or it's been a long time, the feeling of progress when you get after it is just something else. It feels so good. I also made it until day 27 before I broke the old sugar embargo. It was just dumb. It was just a January game night at my sister-in-law's, you know, with the temptation of the kind of snacks you put out when it's time to play cards against humanity or whatever. So I broke. I had a glass of Sunkissed, which I never do, but it's so delicious. And since I did, I also had quite a few handfuls of Monster Trail Mix, then a whole bunch of strawberry-dipped pretzels. Then I asked myself, why? Why is it so hard to stick to a diet? Why is it so hard to lose weight at any age, let alone 43? Why is it so hard to go lift for an hour or run five miles when I know both will make me feel so good once I'm done? There are academic answers tucked into those questions. Like the reality that actually losing a pound of body weight is generally going to come at the cost of about 3,500 calories. To put that in scary berry terms, if you want to lose 20 pounds to keep it off, you're going to have to find a way to burn about 70,000 more calories than you take in. And then you're going to have to keep up that new program or those LBs will come creeping back. That's depressing. And inherently, we know the answer to why it's so hard to lose weight on a physical level. There's an emotional component that is muy importante as well, though. That one gets personal for each of us. And the answer is one that often makes us wish we hadn't asked why in the first place. So anyway... I was throwing a little pity party for myself for being a weak little biznacho of a human when my daughters asked me if we could go shed hunting. With two 12-year-old girls, I don't know how many times I'll get asked to go look for antlers, so I always say yes. We suited up, loaded up the dogs, and drove to a chunk of public land that has treated me sort of well over the years. There are a lot of shed hunters in there. There's also a lot of deer in the winter, so it kind of levels off. Since it was the first trip of the season, we took a route that I've walked many times and has produced a few antlers for me over the years, including my first match set. It was weird walking through the woods in Minnesota in January and not seeing a single patch of snow anywhere. Felt more like early April, and I figured that might allow us to find an antler or two even though we were a little early for my taste. Anyway, we hiked along, looking at fresh deer poop and walking trails while the Labs ran circles around us. Even the old girl, who will be 11 in April, was getting after it. We walked through some patches of woods and through some meadows, and at one point we entered a decent-sized patch of old-growth woods and found not only tons of evidence of turkey scratching up last fall's acorns, but watched as maybe two dozen of them ran out of there in front of us. My daughters asked me a lot of questions about animals and their behavior and made me realize that the power of asking why is important to us as hunters. For starters, we checked out a monster oak tree that looks like it's mostly hollow. Why the tree is like that now, I couldn't answer, but I could guess some of the critters that call that massive hollowed out tree home. We found a pine tree with very symmetrical holes in it, like they were drilled at specific intervals. My daughter asked me why, 
And my best answer was that some type of woodpecker must have a system for locating bugs beneath the bark that involves drilling holes in a line for a while and then moving up the trunk six inches and starting over. Very systematic. Later, as we stood up on a ridge looking down at one of my favorite types of funnels, I asked the girls if they would hypothetically hunt there and then to explain why they would or wouldn't. They looked at the way the wetland made mostly a figure eight between two ridges and said, maybe it would be a good spot for a deer to get a drink. You know, not a bad answer, but it was a little short. So I asked them if the deer would probably like to get all muddy and wet going through the swamps or if they'd probably just like to walk the high spine between the two lowland spots. And as if it was meant to be, while we were looking at the land right there and I was explaining how deer probably go through there, three little bucks got up out of their beds and ran right through that funnel. They were the only antlers we saw that day and they were all riding around on deer's foreheads. Later, we looked at a huge collection of rubs just off of a meadow. We talked about why they were there and why they were facing more or less all in the same direction. The answer was that the bucks were likely bedded in the scrub cedars and patches of dogwood in the meadow and then staged on the edge where the brush met the old growth. We later confirmed that theory with the discovery of a couple of beds tucked tight to either thick cedars or deadfalls, which made the girls ask why once again. Now, if you don't want to get eaten by a coyote or surprised by a hunter with a gun in his hands, a good way to do it is to put some structure to your back while working the wind and using your eyes to look over the downhill approach. Now, we blanked on antlers, which is what we mostly always do, but it was a really good time anyway. The dogs got muddy enough to truly annoy my wife when we got home, and the girls got to ask their favorite questions over and over as we picked apart the world of the whitetail and the rest of the critters that share their neighborhood. I think this is something that is crazy important to hunters, but we've been led to believe that we don't need to ask why anymore. The trail camera shows us the buck walked through three times this week. Does it really matter why? He's daylighting and it's time to kill him, so that should be good enough, right? Or we sit on stand and don't see deer on one night and are snowed in with them the next night. Why? Why was it a snooze fest before and now it's on fire? What changed? Or, I don't know, we sit on October 10th just because we need to go into the woods and even though we just know we won't see a big buck, we go sit anyway. And then a big buck walks through just out of range two hours before dark. Why? This stuff seems random, but it's not. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were onto something because organs are among the most nutrient rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. This happened to me last year while filming a show in Minnesota during opening week. I was posted up on a waterway between two standing cornfields in the morning when I saw a young buck and a doe walk through the woods. No big deal. They were just coming back from the neighbor's bean field. That was an easy one to answer. But then we saw those two deer reverse course and go back the direction in which they came. Why? I didn't know. I also didn't know why two much bigger bucks followed in their tracks and then a spike ran down and crossed right in front of us. Suddenly it was a buck fest and I couldn't tell you why. At least not until I talked to another hunter as we were loading up the truck and he told me where he was hunting, which made it all make sense. Past run-ins with him have shown me that he mostly tries to kill one by walking around. So he was up on top and booted all those deer down to me. Now that's not the best way to level up as a deer hunter, but once in a while you get an answer without having to look too hard for it. And that's possible for us right now. With the dual opportunities of shed hunting and winter scouting being really our main activities as deer hunters for the next couple of months, there is no better time to ask why and to hopefully get an answer. A good way to do this is to go out and specifically not go where you always like to go. This is even easier if you can head out on a property you aren't super familiar with because the worst scouting we do is the scouting that confirms what we already believe about a property. That's a great way to never level up and it holds a lot of us back far more than we'd like to admit. Instead, 
Go somewhere that isn't on your usual routes. Then try to call your shots. When you drop down a hill or enter a valley or just get a new view of the big woods, stop. Take a look around. What do you see that the deer would use? Then call your shot. Should there be a scrape line on the soft edge where the hardwoods and the swamp meet? Where do you think you'll find beds or a bunch of rubs? Why would a buck bed in the spot you think he should? And then go figure out if he actually does. Some of the best lessons I felt like I could impart on my girls during our recent shed hunt just involve soft edges in the direction of likely deer travel. It's almost just an intuition thing. But if you've been doing this stuff long enough, you can look at the cover and figure out if they are going to parallel it or where there should be a trail leading into and out of it. Sometimes you get it right. Of course, sometimes you get it wrong. And when you do get it wrong, it's a great time to ask yourself, why? This happened to me once with the girls out there on that meadow. My daughters enjoyed pointing out that I had confidently stated we'd find a well-used trail skirting the edge of it. But when we got there, the trail I was sure would be there wasn't. I don't know why. And as we walked around, I never really got a good answer. That's an important part of this, too. There is the notion that this stuff can be mastered. And the truth is, the only ones who believe that are folks that have manipulated the land so much that they can force deer movement in certain ways. Go ask some hardcore public land whitetail hunter if he or she thinks that you can master this stuff, and you should get an answer that goes something like, uh, nope, not a chance. They are out there scouting. They're out there asking why. And while they are answering their own questions as often as they can, they are also finding out over and over and over again that there just might not be an answer available to them for specific questions. But the good thing is, that's kind of the best part. Not being you know too stupid to answer a question on why deer do something or not, but instead conditioning yourself to just ask why. To look at a dished out scrape and not stop at the realization that you've found a banging community scrape and that you should probably hang a stand by it. But instead, why there? Is it a hub of activity? Is it the kind of place where lots of doe groups pass through and the wind is often advantageous to bucks looking to check the latest deer census and leave their own calling card there? What about that rub? The thigh-sized rub in the middle of the woods that just sort of seems out of place. Why there? Where's he coming from to work on that rub? Why that kind of tree? Are there any other rubs around that might give you a clue? If so, good. If not, why? The more you ask why now, in this off-season here in February, March, the more you'll have the right answers in hunting season. I know that seems too simple, but think about it this way. The best deer hunters out there scout a lot. And they are curious. I'm not talking about the folks who have a thousand acres of primo ground because I don't consider them to be the best. They're very successful and I'm happy for them. But when you're in a situation where you don't really have to scout aside from running cell cameras, a lot of the challenges is gone. In fact, if you took those people and forced them at gunpoint to hunt public land for a year, I bet most of them would almost instantly realize that they needed to scout and scout hard. 
They'd also soon realize that it's not enough to get in the woods with the deer and try to find a few antlers while looking for some deer-heavy spots to hunt next season. They'd realize they need to figure out why bucks might go here but not there. Why the match set is tucked into the brush in the old homestead just below the main road and not way, way, way back on the farthest corner of the property. What this mindset does for you is allow you to confidently figure some stuff out while filtering your answer through as many factors as you can come up with. For example, that spot the girls and I found that was just loaded with rubs and was an obvious staging area close to bedding is also one of the few patches of brush in that area that is just thick, thick, thick. That property does get hunted, but the odds of somebody crawling in there with the bucks instead of sitting in the nice open deciduous forest nearby, pretty low. So the bucks hole up where they are safe and they leave a lot of sign there because they spend a lot of time there. Sometimes they leave to go to nearby fields. Sometimes they leave to go scuffle around for acorns if the timing is right. But what they do more than anything is start in a specific couple of acres and expand outward. As they do this over and over in the fall, they leave sign that shows that they in fact did do that. A small collection of rubs in a spot where there should be a small collection of rubs asks a simple question. Why there? A lot of walking around to fill in the blanks with some other findings and then maybe a little time on on X looking at the lay of the land from a bird's eye view and you suddenly realize that you found a hell of a lot cooler thing that's more actionable than just a concentration of rubs in a very specific spot. You've damn near deciphered buck movement in that specific area, all while walking around with two 12-year-olds in January while feeling sorry for yourself because sometimes you have the self-control of a toddler when it comes to candy. So I guess I'll leave you with this. You know you're supposed to winter scout. You know you're probably going to go out and look for some antlers. Do both. Do them as much as you can. But stop often to look around and ask yourself why. Ask why when it comes to animal be- <clears throat> ask why when it comes to animal behavior that doesn't seem like it has anything to do with deer, like when turkeys are scratching acorns in a specific spot. Although that one actually does have something to do with deer. Anyway, ask why. Then try to find the answer. If you do, great. If not, that's also great. Keep trying, keep looking, keep asking yourself why. That's what really matters. And keep coming back to this podcast so I don't have to go lay sod or go sell fishing rods at Cabela's or something. That's it for this week. I'm Tony Peterson. This has been the Wired to Hunt Foundations podcast, which is brought to you by First Light. As always, I just want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast and reading the articles we put out and checking out our video series. Your support means the world to us here at Meat Eater. We are nothing without you, so thank you so much for that. Now, if you want some more content, you know where to go, themeateater.com, articles, podcasts, video series, how-to stuff, gear reviews, you name it. It's all over there. I know you got some time because we're in the middle of the winter. Go check it out. And again, thanks for everything. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. 
Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. 